Oh my God, I'm chilling. What happened? Oh my God. Oh, I just can't. What? Hey everyone. Welcome, welcome back or welcome first timers. Oh my gosh, I'm Rachel. That's Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime, love a plot twist, hate the people responsible for them, and most people in general, you know? Yeah. We hope y'all had a lovely Christmas. Or holiday. We don't know. Or holiday, Hanukkah, anything you celebrate. Hope it was lovely. We had Christmas. It was so fun. I'm sad it's over. I know. I have the, I have like the holiday blues. It's like a holiday hangover where I'm like, I ate like crap. And, you know, you just feel bleh. My, I know. My throat's hurting. So I might be a little raspier today. But thank God I'm not telling my story today. This is Rachel's story. I will be listening. But yeah, throat's hurting. I'm just bleh. I know, but it was just so fun. I know. We, like, just watched movies all day, holiday movies all day. They're still on, man. I know. Christmas Story, 24 hours. So fun. Now we have the new year to look forward to. May May you all have a great 2023. Good Lord. We do have some sad news. I don't want to do this again, but we're falling behind yet again and we might need to take the month of January off and by might I mean definitely (laughs) so this will be the last episode for and then we're gonna take January off and we'll pick it back up I don't even know what that Thursday is but it's it's for your benefit yeah quality over quantity because we we are recording this it's almost in real time it's december 27th and it's going to be live in two days yeah <laughs> we're so. like really caught up with ourselves and i have not started my next story yet which is, would be next week so i'm like oh shit i gotta get on that but i don't want to be i don't want to rush it and that's why we'll get all caught up and you know quality so, over quantity so listen this is the next episode will air february 2nd Okay, the first Thursday of February, February 2nd, we will be back and better than ever. Listen, this is a great transition to push our Patreon one more time. Yeah, get us to quit that. It's the corporate job that's keeping us from doing this, you know. Yeah. As we've said. As we've said a hundred times, we could do this easily. Three days a week. Yeah. Patreons we get. A weekly bonus episode instead of monthly. It would be a whole thing. Oh, yeah. So that's why we have to take it off. You know, we corporate jobs are just getting in our way. You know, you get it. You get it. Sorry about it. That's really all I had at the top. Well, then is let's that, hear it. Let's hear it. Okay. This is Rachel. I'm telling Rebecca, my identical twin sister, about <laughs> Ricky Cowles Jr. Ooh, I do not know that name. Yes, finally. <laughs> <laughs> You're a bitch. All right, sources. This is why I'm scared. Okay, sources. Dateline, hmm. mm-hmm. Los Angeles Daily News, legal.com, prisonwriters.com, sanfranciscobayview.com. Okay. All right. It is 1996 in Lancaster, California, which is like an hour north of LA. There are three high school BFFs, and I'm going to throw some high school stereotypes on them to kind of paint the picture. Okay. 
Sarah Chapin is 18. She's a cheerleader, a beauty pageant queen, you know. Mm-hmm. A- Amy Priestmeyer is 16. She's an athlete, the girl next door. <laughs> These are just very annoying stereotypes. Yeah. And then Jennifer Kellogg, also 18. She's on the dance team. She's kind of the wild one, the bad girl. She has an edge. She, there's an edge to Jennifer. Mm, okay. So they're like three BFFs. I love that. Isn't that fun? Yeah. One weekend, Amy's parents went out of town. So obviously, what choice do you have? You have to have a party. She has the party. Oh, man. Another one of their friends, 16-year-old Shaylin, came to the party and brought her 21-year-old brother, Ricky. Okay. They're 16? Uh, Shaylin and Amy are 16. Sarah and Jennifer are 18. Oh, Okay. So sophomores and seniors. Yeah. And then Shaylin brings her 21-year-old brother, Ricky. hmm Ricky worked at his family's electricity business. He was tall, cute, the whole thing. Amy was immediately drawn to him, and the feel- feeling was mutual. The two started dating. It seemed like typical high school romance, infatuation, even though only one of them was in high school still. Right. Ricky introduced Amy to his parents, and at first they really liked her, but then they found out she was a sophomore in high school yeah. and, uh, and only 16. And they're like, oh, this is a that's a really bad idea. Break it off. And he was like, nah, but thanks for your advice. <laughs> is it statutory it, rape at that at 16? Yeah, that was his yeah. mom actually points out that that was her fear. Like she was Amy was like cute and sweet and like precious but if something bad happened and they broke up like it could easily be he could go to jail yeah so that was her fear so she was like oh it's just such a bad idea don't do it and he was like i'm doing it even though he made pretty good money he lived in his parents guest house so they made a rule it was like as long as you're living here she cannot spend the night she can't she can come over but she can't stay the night that's fair very fair and 16 how could she stay the night well You'll be surprised. So that rule was broken several times. And at one point, Ricky's mom found Amy hiding in the closet. She had obviously spent the night, and that was the last straw. His, his mom. It's so classic. classic. She's always in the closet. They're always in the closet. Always hiding. It reminded me, remember when we snuck out with Mulane and went to, I won't say whose house we went to, but a boy down the street and we got caught hiding in the bathroom as mom opened the door and there was the anxiety. There was nowhere to hide. <laughs> there was like not a shower curtain or something on the shower. Like, so we were just standing there and the second that door opened, I was like, shit. No, I don't remember that. <laughs> don't? No, not at Charles all. Charles house. I, uh, sure. I do oh. not remember that. We can beep his name or at least his last name. Wait, <laughs> you d- his mom like flew open the door, flicked on the lights. We were hiding in the dark and we were by the toilet, I remember. And we were like, shit. <laughs> and she was like, I knew it. And she made us walk home, which is like, I mean, uh, we were down the street, so it's not that big of a deal. But it was probably like two or three in the morning. She like sent a bunch of 15 year olds to go walk back home. <laughs> <laughs> no. We were so busted. I do not remember that, but I don't blame her. What's she going to do? Take us home? I'd be like, no, go out the way you came. Peace yeah. out. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I'm, screw you. I'm not doing you any favors. 
I am so annoyed you don't remember that. Oh my god, that is hilarious. Oh my god, I can still feel the anxiety of being in yeah, that just room knowing. and hearing her walk closer and closer to the bathroom. I was like, shit. Well, yeah. <laughs> Any parent's gonna know to check a closed door. It's always a closet, a bathroom. This doesn't oh surprise god. me at all. No. So same thing happened with Ricky's mom. She opened the closet. Amy's hiding in there. <laughs> Duh. She was like, all right, I've had it with this. So his mom gives him an ultimatum. You can keep living here rent-free, mm-hmm. but you need to break up with Amy or you can move out. <laughs> Guess what he chooses? Oh, he moved out. Yes. So Ricky's like, fine, peace out, and rented an apartment in a sketchy part of town. And Amy moves in with him. What? She had just finished her sophomore year in high school. <gasps> See, Amy's parents... Georgia and Larry were a whole different story from Ricky's. They loved their relationship. They loved Ricky. Their marriage actually started in a very similar way. Georgia was 17. Larry was 24. They just really liked them together. And Amy was pretty defiant. Like if she wanted to do something, she was going to do it. So they were just like kind of cool with it. But what? So if her parents were supportive, like go over there as much as you want, but but, move in. Who's helping with rent them? Right. It's, it's to be honest and a little judgy. It's very irresponsible. Yeah. She's 16. She doesn't know what she wants. Well, see, Ricky's mom said the same thing. She called Amy's mom and was like, no, she's 16. She needs to stay home. And Amy's mom essentially plays dumb and was like, we don't know anything about a plan of her moving in with Ricky. This is all news to us. And so Ricky's mom's like, oh, okay, good. And then a few days later in July 1997, Amy is fully living there. What? It's very. That's so weird to me. Yeah. Okay. Well, it gets weirder because very soon after Amy moved in, she invited her two best friends, Sarah and Jennifer, to move in. No, we're not doing this. (laughs) Go home. Go speak to your parents. Go talk to them. What's happening? There is a bigger issue at the core here. What's going on? How'd you get downstairs? Oh, my gosh. Is that Britain? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Rebecca's face. Where is your father? Just got so scared. Her 18-month-old son just walked in the room. (laughs) We don't know how he got there. Was he in his crib? I have no idea. Where's your father? Maybe he rode on Onyx's back like a horsey. <laughs> I just heard Barrett's like, Britain? Yeah. He's down here making his debut on People Are the Worst. Oh, have him say something. Here, bring those cheeks up here. Okay. Say hello. Britain. Hey. Hey. Britain, that's it. Your mama has to choose right now, this podcast or you. <laughs> he thought that was funny. Say bye-bye. Bye-bye. Say bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Say bye-bye. All right. She's choosing the podcast. Sorry, Britton. Bye, Britton. Bye, Cheeks. <laughs> Made his debut. Um, Where was I? Um, People are just oh. moving. These kids are moving into Ricky's place, like, left and right is where There's, you left off. Yes. So Sarah and Jennifer move into, I will say, from a parenting perspective, this is a little less weird because they would have just finished their senior year of high school and they're 18. Mm-hmm. So it's still weird, but not like a sophomore in high school living with her boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. It's weird. 
So anyway, obviously the apartment turned into a 24-7 party. Yeah. As you would expect. Part, night after night, party after party, and Jennifer, again, being like the wild one, invited her like sketchier, kind of druggy friends over. There's actually a picture of her at one of the parties smoking a fat bowl. Mm. I'll post it, obviously. Oh, okay. Wait, sorry. Jennifer's the wild one? Because I thought I thought Amy was. No? No. Oh, okay. They're, they're all kind of wild. They're all kind of like party girls, but Jennifer's like the wild one, the crazy one. Amy and Sarah kind of are, but they're like athletes. They're, I mean, they're not as, you know. Okay. A few weeks into this lifestyle of living with three young party girls, essentially, Ricky's like, I'm over it. Uh-huh. I don't want to come home from work every day dealing with this. For being 21, he seems actually adult, very mature. Well, he has children to look after, so yeah. <laughs> uh, right. I was like, what do you mean? No, he he's like, I'm so done with babysitting, and I like actually have to get up and go to work. Yeah. So he comes home and is like, I'm done with this. Oh, and Amy, considering you're pregnant, <gasps> you need to chill, and your pals have got to go. Oh, yeah. no. Yep. Didn't mention this earlier, but almost immediately after Amy moved in with them, she got pregnant. Shocking, Oy vey. right? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so she's pregnant when they move in. She's pregnant during the partying, although she didn't partake in drugs or alcohol. Uh, okay. She, she says. So Ricky's like, it's time for Jennifer and Sarah to move out. None of them loved it, but Jennifer in particular was pissed. It caused a lot of friction. She was livid. Mm. Now... Amy's parents knew about the pregnancy, but Amy was a few months along before they told Ricky's parents, and they were pissed. Yeah. Yeah, they were. Well, they were like, yeah, Yeah, we saw this coming from a mile away. Right. I mean, I'm sorry, but if there's anything 16-year-olds are reliable on, it's irresponsibility and fertility. Yeah. After Jennifer and Sarah move out, Amy and Ricky's relationship gets a little bit rocky. They're fighting a lot. You can imagine the stress of meeting someone, moving in, accidentally starting a family within a few months while you're 16 and 21. Right. Is stressful. Sure. Right. You got such a hard slap of reality that you're not an adult. Because I bet 16, living with my boyfriend, she felt so mature and grown up. And then, damn, slap yeah. reality. Poor girl. I'm not, I'm not trying is. to be too judgy. Her parents let her do this. Of course, she's feels like an adult, like they're getting married. They're, yeah. I mean, poor thing. I know. It, it actually it's is a sad. false sense of reality. Yeah. And it lasted like a week because she got to live that like fun life literally almost immediately when she moved in. Mm. She's pregnant. Wow. Mm. Um, poor baby. So they fight. Amy toys with breaking up with them, but she's scared if she does, his parents will try to get custody of the baby. But unbeknownst to her, Ricky's also kind of toying with breaking up. So during a big argument, they decide that Amy should move back in with her parents. They needed a break. They needed to reevaluate, see where their heads are at. Mm -hmm. So she moved out for an entire weekend. Literally, literally (laughs) one weekend. (laughs) That'll do it. (laughs) It's all you needed to get your head right. Yeah, 48 hours. A couple of days later, Amy and Ricky, they both have a change of heart. They missed each other. They were determined to make it work. They were both really excited about being parents. They're, so they're like, we're going to figure this out. Amy gets moves back in. They get engaged. And they're like a happy family to be. 
Wow. Okay. On August 12th, 1997, Ricky left for work early, but he and Amy had plans to have some like nice, quiet, alone time at home later that night. Amy was out and about that day, but left a note on the counter saying she'd be back around nine to so they could have their date night. She called him throughout the day to confirm, but he's not answering. So she ends up meeting up with Jennifer and Sarah, and the three of them are going back to Amy's house to drop her off at around nine as planned. Jennifer splits off to meet someone, but says she'll meet him right over there right afterwards. Meet over at Amy and Ricky's? Yeah. It's their date night. I know. Get out of here. I know. I think just to drop off and say, like, hey, and then leave, because the whole time she's like, tonight's our, like, work on our relationship night. Like, we're going to have a nice, quiet time at home. Talk about the future. Talk about our little baby. Like, this is date night. So it sounds like they were just, like, going to pop in and be like, hey, bye. Mm -hmm. So Sarah and Amy get to the apartment. And Ricky's car is there, but it's dark. So Amy's yelling for him, but she has to pee. So she runs to the nearest bathroom. And it's a two-story apartment. So, like, the bedrooms are upstairs. Everything else is downstairs. Mm -hmm. So she runs to the downstairs bathroom, tells Sarah, go check to see if he's upstairs. But Sarah says she wants her to do it because she smells something and she has an uneasy feeling about it. Whoa. So Amy runs upstairs, turns on the lights, and sees Ricky on the ground in a pool of blood. He's alive, but it's not good. He's clearly dying. Oh, God. Amy immediately grabs her phone, calls 911. She's so upset the operator can't even understand her, so Sarah grabs the phone. And as she's on the phone, Jennifer walks in, and she and Sarah, like, pull Amy out of the room. So they're like, don't look at this. At this point, Ricky is convulsing, and Sarah's telling the 911 operator that something's on his head. (gasps) Of chills. Paramag paramedics get there and realize he's been beaten with a hammer and shot in the head. Oh. But again, he is still alive and actually sort of talking. <gasps> this is all on body cam. Who did it, Ricky? So that's what they said. Did you shoot yourself? And he says, no. And he's saying, they're saying, who did this? Who did this? And he goes, my neck hurts. And they're like, okay, who did this? And then after that, he's too weak to talk. Oh, baby. It is really sad. Again, it's all on body, body cam footage. You can see him talking and saying this. The girls are in the kitchen. Amy is pregnant and, like, losing her mind. Oh, my God. Just watching all of this. It's so sad. And they're so young. I know. Like, I'm like, where are where's everyone's parents? Like, y'all are babies. It's so shocking that they, okay. What did she smell? Gun? I don't know. Like that, Yeah, maybe gunpowder residue because I was like, no one was like, he wasn't dead. And even if he were that morning, it wouldn't be decaying that quickly. Exactly. So Um, this makes me. I'm guessing he smelled. She smelled like gunpowder or burning or something. Yeah. So Sarah calls Ricky's parents after she hangs up with Dallin one. At this point, there's there's a helicopter waiting to take him to the hospital. Yeah, He needs a life flight like yesterday. He gets one. Good. By August 14th. That's two days later he was in a coma and literally living on a machine oh so they have to make the awful decision to take him off so his family and amy are at the hospital saying their goodbyes amy moved back in with her parents and waits for her baby girl to come she's 16 years old 16 weeks pregnant all alone oh god this is very upsetting I know. I did not say it was a positive story. No, they never Do you remember are. when I said that it was not? Yeah. <laughs> they, they never are. 
Hence the name of the podcast, People Are the Worst. And they are. This is just another <laughs> piece of another example. Example. That's what I meant. Meanwhile, the investigation was on. They found a shell casing at the apartment, but no DNA. There's really not a ton of evidence. They look into his lifestyle, and if he has any drug debts, gambling debts, anything like that, that came up short. Like, he occasionally smoked pot, but not, they were like, he's not like some big drug, he's not involved in all that, you know. Yeah. Months passed, and by now, Sarah and Amy actually had, both had a falling out with Jennifer, so none of them are really talking. That's neither here nor there, but I just... I'm trying to paint the dynamic. Right. You said months later? Yeah. Months pass. Ricky's family decided to put up a reward for information about Ricky's murder. So his sister, Shaylin, went over to Amy's parents' house to drop off flyers and see if they would help pass them out. And Amy's dad answered and was like, sure, we'll take some. Also, do you want to meet your niece? (gasps) Oh. She had her baby. Kaylee Lynn Cowles was born on January 3rd, 1998. Mm. Shaylin meeting her opened up the door for the rest of Ricky's family to meet her and be a part of her life. All the past tensions between Amy and Ricky's parents from before were gone, all because of this angel little girl. They ended up really respecting Amy for doing this on her own, and she was a great mother. So baby Kaylee never got to meet her dad, but her grandparents and extended family were very much involved in her life. Oh. It was good. Yeah. Soon after that first meeting, there was a break in the case. Oh, okay. Which chick did it? No. A night well, nuns, because a 19-year-old named Billy Hoffman was going around bragging to his friends about being responsible for Ricky's murder. He asked a, a co-worker at Kmart if she saw the helicopters from a few months back, and when she said yes, he was like, that was all me. Like, just like, what? straight you're just, bragging. You're just telling anyone and everyone. The clerk anyone? at Kmart. Yeah. She has no loyalty to you. She's just going to pick up that phone. Well, they were co-workers. He wasn't, like, checking oh. out. <laughs> I was oh like, my God. wow, you're really just letting people know. <laughs> yeah, he was checking out. Did you say she, co-worker? Yes. I don't think so. <laughs> he, was, he was checking out at Kmart, and while she was doing a pre- price check, he was like, hey, wait, real quick. <laughs> You see those That's what I thought you meant. I was like, this guy's a moron. <laughs> no, there were coworkers. He works there too. But he was telling everyone this. He told another friend that their friend, David Ashbury, got him the gun. He told anyone who would listen, got the story. Oh, good. Great. I know. Because as they say, loose lips sink ships. <laughs> <laughs> do they? they say that? They do. Okay. They do say that. Yeah. And they... Those ships sink real fast when there's a reward involved. Yeah. So Billy's flapping his gums all over town, and several of those people go straight to the police. Of course they do. Of course. There's like 10 grand at stake. Yeah. Cops look into Billy, and he's a drug user, a small-time dealer. Oh, and the most interesting part is he lives right down the street from Ricky and Amy's apartment. Oh, God. Cops question him. He denies it. Like, what's the point? Right. They have a whole list of people that are like, no, you did it. So they showed Sarah a picture of Billy and was like, do you know this guy? And she says, yep. He's one of Jennifer's friends. I met him at her birthday party this year. In fact, he's in the picture of her smoking a bowl. Oh, no way. Yeah, he's in the picture. 
They also showed Ricky's sister, Shaylin, and she said she met him over at the apartment the weekend before Ricky was killed. Mm. Ricky was out of town, so Shaylin went over to the apartment to hang out with Amy, Sarah, and Jennifer, and Billy came over to bring Jennifer acid. Oh, God. (laughs) And they tripped. Oh, wow. So he's sort of in the mix. They're like, okay, this adds up. I have a theory. No, I just have a theory. I don't want to say it yet. Don't say it yet. Okay. Okay. Billy is arrested in April 1998, goes to trial in 1999. He maintains his innocence and says Joey Green actually killed him. Joey was one of the people who told police that Billy was involved, and he's already in prison serving time for an unrelated crime. So it didn't matter. The jury's like, sure, sure, sure. Joey Green got it. Yeah. Billy is found guilty, sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. There's shockingly very little detail about the trial. Like, I don't know what they said the motive was. They barely seem to know each other. Oh. But I guess even with a small amount of drugs being involved, like, you never know. But it it really doesn't go into what the prosecution was saying the reason was. Really? Yeah. Wait, so he actually was a one-man show? Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, I know. I'm not done. I know, but... Uh, you just said you mentioned the drug thing. And a friend of a friend actually uh, attempted to stab and kill his mom when he was on acid. So, and you're talking about and actually killed her boyfriend. I don't want to say that. I mean, I'm sure oh, you did. I remember that story. Remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, my friend just told me this in like casual conversation, knowing that I'm obsessed with things like this. I was like, whoa, wait, wait, what? Yeah. And I, it was a big discussion. I'm like, acid makes you do it. wasn't like PCP where he thought it was, I don't know. I right. know his, he served time in prison. He's out now. But he's, he said it was because of the acid. He tried to stab his mom. The boyfriend intervened and he yeah. stabbed him dead. I didn't realize acid could make you like rage like that. I've yeah. never done acid. Me neither. But I know. But I, I never, you very, I don't know. You don't really hear of it. You hear of like coming down from crack or like a huge upper or like PCP where you like accidentally kill yourself. But like to make you kill someone out. I don't know. I know. This is news to me. I have tripped on mushrooms. Apparently it's different, but that just makes you happy as a damn clown. Oh my God. Am I right? Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. You right. So I don't know. I don't get that. There it is. It could have been that. They're, they really don't go into it. It's shocking how little details are about the trial. So in 2002, after being in prison for three years, Ricky's parents get a letter from Billy from prison. Okay. He says he's, he found God. They all do. And they all do. He wants to apologize to them and formally confess to, quote, his part in the murder. He says he hopes he can be forgiven the whole nine yards. Ricky's mom's reading it over and over again and cannot get past the fact that he says his part in right. the murder. So she contacts the DA's office, and five years after Ricky's murder, the case is reopened. Hell yeah. I knew Det- he didn't do this shit alone. Detectives go visit Billy in jail on September 12th, 2002. They're all, why did you say you're confessing to your part in the murder? And he tells them the entire thing. Here's what happened. Jennifer came to him a few weeks before Ricky's murder and asked if he would be willing to kill someone. This is my Billy's, theory. 
I figured. Billy said, sure. So Jennifer asked him to come meet her and Amy at the apartment to discuss the plan. Amy? I know. Oh, my God. So Sarah. Okay. Well, I'll let you finish. They gave him a picture of Ricky, showed him the layout of the apartment. Amy gave him details about Ricky's schedule, saying he gets home from work around 5, he'll park in the garage, and he usually heads straight upstairs to go to the bedroom. They told him where he could hide and wait for Ricky and warned him that Ricky would fight back, so he'd probably need to knock him out first. That's why he brought the hammer. Oh, oh, I know. You don't need to knock someone out if you're just planning to shoot them in the head. Jesus. These people are idiots. They also gave him gloves and a potato to act as a silencer. Apparently, if you put a potato at the end of a gun, it acts as a silencer. But if any potential murderers are listening and think they just got a good tip, don't. Because Billy also told them that his friend David, who got him the gun, and their friend Joey Green, who originally Billy was trying to blame this whole thing on, mm-hmm. went went to the desert to test it, and it didn't work. The potatoes just kept exploding. <laughs> no. You don't say. It's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. And I love that, like, a few weeks to a month out, they gave him a potato. I mean, like, <laughs> like he, he couldn't have just grabbed one yeah, on the way true. there. <laughs> this is the this is they, the potato. It's thick. They, it's large. Yeah. It's in charge. That is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. Has anyone it, ever heard a gun? It, you know that a measly little piece of vegetable is not going to do much. I mean... Doesn't stand a chance. Apparently, this is a legend that started like in the twenties. I'm sure yeah. in the twenties when guns were very yeah. weak and not, I'm sure not very at weak, one point know. that was true, right? Because that's all they had. But like guns of, uh, if you can imagine, has have advanced since then. Yeah. So <laughs> just know that the potato doesn't work. It just kept exploding. So they're like, forget the potato. We'll just use the gloves and the gun and the hammer that it's not funny, but good Lord, these kids are idiots. Oh my God. So this was all planned out by Amy and Jennifer and guess how much Billy was expecting to be paid. I, that's what I was wondering. I have no idea what a hundred bucks they're children somewhere between 500 and a thousand dollars. Holy shit. Wow. The day of the murder, August 12th, 1997, Amy and Jennifer picked up Billy to take him to the apartment so he could hide and wait for Ricky Ricky ended up working late, so Billy got tired of waiting and started having second thoughts, so he actually left the apartment and started walking back to his apartment. And on his, on his walk back, Jennifer and Amy happened to drive by and were like, what are you doing? Where are you going? Oh, and he tells God. them he's calling the whole thing off. He has second thoughts. He's tired. He's sick of waiting. And they're like, no, 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 he's almost home. Go back. So he goes back to his hiding spot and waits for Ricky. Ricky walks in just before 9 p.m. Oh. And Billy... My God. He was like, had they not been driving by? I mean, right. he was like, I'm done with it. I'm tired. I don't want to do this. I changed my mind. But they caught him. And they're like, no, no, you're going back. So Ricky walks in just before 9 p.m. Billy attacks him, leaves him for dead, runs back to his apartment to page Jennifer, which was the sign that the murder is done. And at this point, Amy had called Sarah to come meet up with them. And was like, okay, Sarah, let's go back to my apartment. And Jennifer says she'll meet them over there, but she has to do something really quick. She mm-hmm. went and took weed to Billy, I guess, as a as a bonus. You. Yeah, as a bonus to his $500 to $1,000, <clears throat> which he never got, by the way. Obviously. So she took weed over to Billy and then went to Amy's after she, I'm air quoting, discovered the body. So Sarah actually did smell something? 
I, I still think gunpowder residue. But I know, but Sarah, she was genuinely not involved. Oh, no. She I, was genuinely not, not involved, knew nothing about this plan. She was pretty much used as a alibi, so they would have an alibi. Yeah. Oh, my God. And her gut was like, I can't go upstairs. Even yeah, if you, she didn't like it. Yeah. Wow. I thought that was kind of a ploy to, you know... I don't know. I thought that's what she told police, and you're going to be like, she didn't say that. It wasn't a genuine no. reaction. But that's no, it was. crazy. Yeah. Oh, Sarah, why Poor be Sarah. objective? Yeah. Don't pull me into this shit. God. I know they they wanted a yeah. third alibi. Now, a few th- weird things about Amy soon after Ricky's death that were red flags. Well, yeah, Amy. Apparently, this is what I need to know. Why is Amy doing this? Do, Single parenthood, you are really shooting yourself in the foot there. So we'll get there. Okay. Apparently on August 15th, 1997, Ricky's other sister, Jennifer, Mm -hmm. not to be confused with wild Jennifer, went to his apartment to clean it. And in a trash can, she found a note dated August 1st that Amy wrote to one of their friends, Jeff, who was also in jail. Jeez. Amy wrote that she and Ricky were doing good, but had a huge fight about, among other things, alcohol, drugs, and respect. Ricky wanted to name the baby after him, but Amy wrote, quote, no, I want a successful child. Shit, I'd name him Jeff before I name him Rick. Oh, my God. They, I guess they didn't know that they were having a girl. But, yeah, so they're like, wow, what a bitch. Also, in the hospital, while the family was there saying their goodbyes to Ricky, Amy goes, why'd you have to go and die? You were supposed to buy me a car for my birthday. Shut up. And his mom heard her and was like, why the fuck would you say that? What a bitch. Yeah. Lastly, several days after Ricky's funeral, Amy went to the local fair. She was like having a good time with her friend Candace. And she told Candace that Ricky had ruined her birthday. He got her pregnant so she couldn't get high and drunk. And since he was dead, now she can't get her car. Oh, my God. You are just an evil, self-centered, entitled little bitch. Entitled little bitch. People, like, around her took note of this weird-ass behavior, but at the time, they just chalked it up to her being a bitch, not necessarily a murderer. Right. Not a good look. Mm. So detectives are like, that's an interesting story, Billy, and it makes a lot more sense considering we could not figure out your motive. Yeah. But Billy was also in jail for life for ba- for murdering someone. So he wasn't trustworthy. Therefore, they didn't immediately arrest her. They wanted to build a case. So they start investigating. Mm. Remember, this was in 2002. They told Ricky's parents Billy's story and that they were now looking into Amy and Jennifer. Ricky's parents told them that if they do end up arresting Amy, they need to let them know first so they can make sure Kaylee is not with her. Oh, isn't, God, that gave me goosebumps right there. Yeah. Isn't that sad? They did not want Kaylee to see that. Yeah. How old is she at this point? 2002. She, she would be five. Oh, God. Yeah. They waited for years for the investigation to be done. In 2005, three years after oh, Ricky's parents found this out, Amy was a few weeks away from getting married. Kaylee was seven years old at this point, and Ricky's parents finally got a call saying that they're going to arrest Amy. Can you imagine? They saw her every week for three years and had to pretend like they didn't know anything. They had no idea an investigation was going on. It was just smiles and happy family. Oh, my God. And she got a new boyfriend, got engaged. and Yeah. And they were like, 
having to pretend like they knew nothing about her involvement, very likely involvement in their son's murder. Mm. They just they just said at this point, Kaylee was trapped top priority and her having a happy life superseded all of that so they just went about their relationship with amy business as usual oh my god that would be the role of a lifetime oh my god you would have to be the best actors oh poor family amy is arrested ricky's parents get temporary custody of kaylee and while in prison awaiting trial amy calls jennifer not realizing she's being recorded (laughs) again these kids are idiots and says, quote, if Hoffman doesn't testify, they don't have a fucking case against me. Pretty much no. If, Hoss- if Hoffman testifies, he's going to cross all my fucking people's paths one way or another. You can't, say- you can't stay PC'd up forever, bitch. That's all I got to say to you, motherfucker. You can't stay PC'd up forever, motherfucker. And you're already sitting in there for fucking life because you testified against yourself. So if he don't testify, they don't have shit. Nothing. Not a goddamn thing. PC'd up means protective custody. I had to look that up. I mean, I was going to ask, but. Which cracks me up because, you no, know, he is in protective custody forever because he's in prison for life. Right. So what are you talking about? Uh, that makes no sense to me. And if he doesn't testify, they won't have a case against me. Uh, they're going to, he's going to testify. Well, he's the one he? that brought yeah. this. Yeah. Of course he is. And in his mind, they did say he thought he could get a lesser sentence if he came clean with all this. No one ever promised him that, but he was like, eh, whatever, I'm just going to tell you all anyway. Yeah, uh, I'm sure. But, like, there, why wouldn't he testify against you? Of course. He's the one who brought it to their attention. Uh, it, it's hilarious to me that he, she's like, they're gonna, he's going to pass all my people's uh-huh. paths one day or another. One way or Cause, another? Because you can't. Oh, did I say one way? You she said, actually says one day. Oh, no, you said one day. I thought that was it. Error. <laughs> no, she talks like that. I don't. Oh you can't God. stay PC'd up forever, bitch. I'm like, no, actually, he was sentenced to life in pre- prison, so he is in protective custody forever, pretty much. Yeah. So calm down. Anyway. Unless she has some connections in the men's prison. Who knows? I guess. But like, Who knows? But they don't, don't care about you either, so just pipe <laughs> down. Yeah. Amy goes to trial and in July 2007, she's found guilty and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. The two sets of grandparents get into a five-year custody battle over Kaylee, but eventually mm-hmm. decide to share custody. They're like, we she's don't been get along. enough. Yeah, they're like, we don't get along. We don't like each other, but we both love her. Like, let's just end this. So they share custody. Mm. After seeing what a toll the trials of Billy and Amy took on Ricky's parents, the prosecutors gave Jennifer a plea deal. They did not want to do another trial. Yeah. She pled guilty of manslaughter and solicitation of murder and got 15 years in prison. And then David Ashbery, who gave Billy the gun, was charged with an accessory and got two years. Okay. Let's talk motive. Yeah, Amy's motive. You said that Jennifer was the most pissed when they all had to move out. So I guess that's her stupid, petty, immature motive. But Amy, I'm like, what happened with you? It's the dumb. Okay. Prosecutors say that Amy blamed Ricky for getting her pregnant and robbing her of her youth. She couldn't party with her friends. Her life was over. Which kill your parents. Just kidding. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) She, given what she wrote in the letter and then said at the fair about how she could, they were fighting about getting drunk and high or whatever. And I, I do think she thought that and she did blame Ricky, but surely even a young, dumb, entitled 16 year old knows that killing the dad is not going to solve that problem. No, 
your life is only going to get much harder because now you're going to be a single parent. Right. But idiot. Investigators asked Billy if Amy ever said why specifically she wanted him dead. And he said, no, but she did tell me one time that he wets the bed. What? Which he didn't think was her motive, but definitely something he remembered. He was like, it seems a little petty and does not warrant murder. No. Even even Billy, the piece of shit who actually did the murdering, was like, it seemed like a bad reason. But if that were true, psychologists say that mm-hmm. if someone's wetting their bed after being, like, well after potty train, yeah. you know how to keep yourself dry. It could be a sign of stress and anxiety, which I'm sure Ricky definitely had. Right. <laughs> And it could be a sign of sexual abuse endured as a child, but I don't think that was the case. Yeah. It could also be a medical issue. Like, maybe he's incontinent. That's that's not his fault. No. It's, it's, I kind of feel bad even mentioning it. I it's know. The, it's kind of me. But no, I'm not for you. But like, why? It's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Yeah. That's, and? <laughs> that's stupid. Anyway, well, that's all Billy could come up with. And 2015, I believe... I'll tell you how I got there, actually. Okay, so Amy writes an article from Solitary Confinement on a website called prisonwriters.com. I want to read that. There's, yeah, it's interesting. From Solitary Confinement, how long was she in there? So, sorry. the reason I think it was in 2015, if you're on a website, you can right-click and inspect the page, and I could see that she uploaded this blog and a folder labeled March 2015. So I think it's... Wow, Rach. Isn't this good detective work? Good detective work. I really wanted to know what year it was, and it didn't say. So anyway, I'm very confident. It was 2015. She'd been in jail for a little bit. She's essentially complaining that she was in solitary confinement and how messed up the prison system is, saying, quote... Oh, Jesus. This is so good. Okay. Don't get me wrong, I was in possession of 40 grams of narcotics resulting in a rule violation as well as a felony act allowing them to place me in confinement. However, I was born and still reside in the United States of America, which proudly talks about one's constitutional rights. Therefore, how is it that all of a sudden many of my rights are so callously stripped from by my system, so crooked they tweak their rules as to not upset society and justify their wrongdoings? What? What are you talking about? No, you're in prison. You have no rights. (laughs) What are you talking about? Your rights got stripped away when they put those shackles on your ankles, sweetheart. And how the hell did you get 40 grams of narcotics in prison? Obviously, you're in solitary confinement. Get the hell out of here. You are so entitled. Golly, it hasn't gone away Uh either. I mean. So while that's laughable, she also writes about the... Just sorry. sorry. One second. Wait a minute. You know there are people in jail for a lot less. We're talking minuscule amounts of weed and they get life. So, like, yeah. back off. You're not going to be the first to be released by any yeah. means. Right. Oh, God, get out of here. While she is obviously an entitled Stop feeling brat. sorry for yourself. Sorry. <laughs> here but she goes. That's my last one. But what I, I hate the entitlements. So bratty. How are you a brat in prison? Where did you get 40 grams of narcotics? And where did you get 40 grams of narcotics and still think that you have the (laughs) rights as everyone, every other citizen? I love that she starts it with, don't get me wrong. I mean, I was in possession of 40. Right. Well, yeah, you broke the rules, more laws. Like, yeah, you're going to get in more trouble. Right. Anyway, so 
yes, still an entitled brat. She writes about the abuse in the different article. She writes a lot. She writes about the abuse endured in prison a lot. And San Francisco Bay View actually published one of her articles about being falsely accused of sexual assault and how that, again, landed her in solitary confinement in a cell with a backed up toilet. There was pee all over it. How she long given, is she in, do we know how long she's in solitary confinement? Because I, I am, a, I don't think people need to be in there for I agree. weeks and weeks or whatever. They usually I put think, I think what I'm t- about to tell you about is 30 days, I think. Oof. While the investigation's going on, she's falsely accused of sexual assault. So they throw her in solitary confinement. They like, go in her cell at 3 a.m., wake her up. She's in a foggy haze, has no idea what's going on. She's thrown in solitary confinement with a toilet that doesn't work. It's backed up. There's pee all over the place. She was giving a moo a bedroll, and no underwear. There's a lot of claims of abuse and misuse of power, and the conditions she was in were actually illegal, all for an investigation to prove that the sexual abuse claims were false. Ooh, it's not great. There's a lot of corruption in the prison system, I'm sure. I did want to note that, though, because she's like a big advocate of the abuse within the women, especially the California women's corrections. I can't remember the full formal name, but um, she really spearheads that. But uh, that part I'm in agreement with, the bringing 40 grams of narcotics. How long was she in solitary confinement for that one? I don't know. Yeah. She she didn't say. Oh, okay. In 2017, after being in prison for 18 years, Billy asked the governor of California to grant him clemency due to his age when he committed the murder. He was 19 again. And his sentence was reduced to 20 years. So two years later, in 2019, Billy Hoffman was released. Oh, wow. So Billy's out. Um, at this point, I believe Jennifer's out. Mm-hmm. She, or, or no, she, she should be getting out in 2023. She went to jail for 15 years in 2008. Yeah. Do math. Math. So she should be getting released soon, and there's no hope for Amy. She's not getting released. Oh, wow. So Billy did get out. Billy's out. Wow. That is quite the story. No, I had not heard that. Oh, okay. When I was like, uh my source is Dateline, I was certain you'd be like, I know it. (laughs) Did this happen in California? Yeah, I know it. Okay, I know it. Um, No, I hadn't. That's a good one. I do not. So Kaylee's healthy, happy, and living on her Yes, she seems happy. Let me think. She's an adult now. Yeah, she's an adult. I did, I think, find an old Instagram, but I'm not going to share details. Very old, like no posts in years, but I'm like, I bet this was her. Yeah. Oh, my God. So poor thing has to live that life. That is so sad. Yeah. And so senseless. Like, Ricky wasn't a bad guy. Sounds like. No, he wasn't. He was an angel and, like, was just trying to do the right thing and was going to probably marry her, even though they were not a good couple, and just, like, make it right. What did she think killing him would do, honestly? She's an idiot. And her parents stand by her 100%. They, of course they do. Sorry. They don't think she did it. <sighs> Although there's kind of debate online. Like Keith Morrison asks, like, is there any part of you, even in a dark, dark hole inside you, that you think she could have done this? And the mom's like, no, absolutely not. And the dad just like kind of sits there. I'm like, right. I think the dad might kind of know. I mean, they let 
her live with it. Sorry, not to get all judgy on parents, but like they let her live with her boyfriend at age 16. I don't know. Uh, the judge at Amy's trial really lectures them. Oh, really? About that. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Which, yikes. But they just, probably- just kind of lays into them about like how irresponsible and like you are the parent. Like, why would you do that? And she was, they were like, it was really hard to hear. I'm like, well, you really shouldn't have let your 16 year old go live with someone else. Yeah. Had you not thought about that before? Like, oh, they seem God. very nice. It's kind of sad, but I'm like, Ugh, yeah, you shouldn't on. have done that. Shouldn't have done that. Uh uh-uh. uh. Wow. That is just, that has a lot in it. You know, there's a lot going on. I was especially shocked learning that Amy was behind it. I knew Jennifer was. Yeah, but Jennifer, you should hear I knew. the nine the nine one one call. You can hear Amy and the body cam. You can see her. Like it really is. I mean, Oscar award winning acting. I was like, damn. Oh, I need to see that. Yeah, I, I knew Jennifer did. That was my theory because you said she was most pissed when she had to move out, which is such a bullshit motive. But I mean, Amy, that shocks me. You want to do this alone? All right. All right, you know what you're in for. Poor Kaylee. Poor Kaylee. She's good. She's happy. Good. My God. Well, good one. Finally, I didn't know it. Thank you. Mm. Mm. Hey, well. All right. Thanks, y'all. We will be back February 2nd. Thank you, everyone. We'll get all caught up. Don't worry. The opening will be a great one. It's very upsetting. I already know what I'm doing. I just need to start it. Hell yeah. Tell people. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Join our Patreon. I wrote a social media post about this, but you can add the bonus episodes from Patreon to your Apple feed or wherever you listen to your podcast, Spotify, any of it. It's really easy. I didn't so you know have to, like, that people were having listen. trouble with that. Well, I someone asked me, and I was like, I don't know. And then I looked into it. I was like, oh, yeah, easy. And then all past and future bonus episodes are just wherever you phone. Yeah. Yeah. Just how you listen to any episode. I, I did not know that. So I just like to like really shout it from the rooftops. Oh, you know? yeah. So you've been like going onto your app and listening that way this entire time? No, just for the first one. And then someone asked me if uh, it was possible to do that. And I was like, surely there is. And it's like the easiest. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe just, you told me. I, I wouldn't have known otherwise, but yeah. So do that. Do that. Okay. Thanks, y'all. Thank y'all. See ya. See ya.